0: Hello, and welcome to the Jane Austen Bedtime Stories podcast. Each episode is a section from a classic, comforting Jane Austen novel with relaxing music to help you fall asleep. If you like the Jane Austen Bedtime Stories podcast, please follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating. If you have comments or suggestions for the Jane Austen Bedtime Stories podcast, please leave a review with your thoughts. There are a few ways to do this. On Spotify, leave a comment in the episode's Q&A under the question, what did you think about this episode? And on Apple Podcasts, write a review for the show. We do read every review and comment and want to make sure this podcast helps you get a good night's sleep. And finally, please follow Jane Austen Bedtime Pod on Instagram. We post about upcoming episodes, Fun facts from the world of Jane Austen and tips to help you get a good night's sleep. Again, it's Jane Austen Bedtime Pod on Instagram. Thank you for joining us this evening.
1: It's time to relax. Let your body fall into a comfortable position in your bed and drift gently into a state of total relaxation with tonight's story. and Prejudice Chapter 31 Colonel Fitzwilliam's manners were very much admired at the parsonage, and the ladies all felt that he must add considerably to the pleasures of their engagements at Rosings. It was some days, however, before they received any invitation thither, for while there were visitors in the house, they could not be necessary. And it was not till Easter Day, almost a week after the gentleman's arrival, that they were honored by such an attention, and then they were merely asked on leaving church to come there in the evening. For the last week, they had seen very little of Lady Catherine or her daughter. Colonel Fitzwilliam had called at the parsonage more than once during the time, but Mr. Darcy they had seen only at church. The invitation was accepted, of course, and at a proper hour, they joined the party in Lady Catherine's drawing room. Her ladyship received them civilly, but it was plain that their company was by no means so acceptable as when she could get nobody else. And she was in fact, almost engrossed by her nephews, speaking to them, especially to Darcy, much more than to any other person in the room. Colonel Fitzwilliam seemed really glad to see them. Anything was a welcome relief to him at Rosings, and Mrs. Collins' pretty friend had moreover caught his fancy very much. He now seated himself by her, and talked so agreeably of Kent and Hertfordshire, of travelling and staying at home, of new books and music, that Elizabeth had never been half so well entertained in that room before, and they conversed with so much spirit and flow, so as to draw the attention of Lady Catherine herself, as well as of Mr. Darcy. His eyes had been soon and repeatedly turned towards them with a look of curiosity, and that her ladyship, after a while, shared the feeling, was more openly acknowledged, for she did not scruple to call out. What is it that you are saying, Fitzwilliam? What is it you are talking of? What are you telling Miss Bennet? Let me hear what it is. We are speaking of music, madam," said he, when no longer able to avoid a reply. Of music? Then pray, speak aloud. It is of all subjects my delight I must have my share in the conversation if you are speaking of music. There are very few people in England, I suppose, who have more true enjoyment of music than myself, or a better natural taste. If I had ever learnt, I should have been a great proficient And so would Anne, if her health had allowed her to apply. I am confident that she would have performed delightfully. How does Georgiana get on, Darcy? Mr. Darcy spoke with affectionate praise of his sister's proficiency. I am very glad to hear such a good account of her, said Lady Catherine, and pray tell her from me that she cannot expect to excel if she does not practice a good deal. I assure you, madam, he replied, that she does not need such advice. She practices very constantly. So much the better. It cannot be done too much, and when I next write her, I shall charge her not to neglect it on any account. I often tell young ladies that no excellence in music is to be acquired without constant practice. I have told Miss Bennett several times that she will never play really well unless she practices more, and though Mrs. Collins has no instrument, she is very welcome, as I have often told her. To come to Rosings every day and play on the pianoforte in Mrs. Jenkinson's room. She would be in nobody's way, you know, in that part of the house. Mr. Darcy looked a little ashamed of his aunt's ill-breeding and made no answer. When coffee was over, Colonel Fitzwilliam reminded Elizabeth of having promised to play to him, and she sat down directly to the instrument. He drew a chair near her. Lady Catherine listened to half a song and then talked, as before, to her other nephew till the latter walked away from her, and making with his usual deliberation towards the pianoforte, stationed himself so as to command a full view of the fair performer's countenance. Elizabeth saw what he was doing, and at the first convenient pause, turned to him with an arch smile, and said, You mean to frighten me, Mr. Darcy, by coming in all this state to hear me? I will not be alarmed, though your sister does play so well. There is a stubbornness about me that can never bear to be frightened at the will of others. My courage always rises at every attempt to intimidate me. I shall not say you are mistaken, he replied, because you could not really believe me to entertain any design of alarming you, and I have had the pleasure of your acquaintance long enough to know that you find great enjoyment in occasionally professing opinions which in fact are not your own. Elizabeth laughed heartily at this picture of herself, and said to Colonel Fitzwilliam, Your cousin will give you a very pretty notion of me, and teach you not to believe a word I say. I am particularly unlucky in meeting with a person so able to expose my real character. In a part of the world where I had hoped to pass myself off with some degree of credit. Indeed, Mr. Darcy, it is very ungenerous in you to mention all that you knew to my disadvantage in Hertfordshire, and, give me leave to say, very impolitic too, for it is provoking me to retaliate and such things may come out as will shock your relations to hear. I am not afraid of you, said he, smilingly. Pray let me hear what you have to accuse him of, cried Colonel Fitzwilliam. I should like to know how he behaves among strangers. You shall hear then, but prepare yourself for something very dreadful. The first time of my ever seeing him in Hertfordshire, you must know, was at a ball. And at this ball, What do you think he did? He danced only four dances. Though gentlemen were scarce, and to my certain knowledge, more than one young lady was sitting down in want of a partner. Mr. Darcy, you cannot deny the fact I had not at that time the honor of knowing any lady in the Assembly beyond my own party. True, and nobody can ever be introduced in a ballroom. Well Colonel Fitzwilliam, what do I play next? My fingers wait your orders. Perhaps, said Darcy, I should have judged better, had I sought an introduction, but I am ill-qualified to recommend myself to strangers. Shall we ask your cousin the reason of this? said Elizabeth, still addressing Colonel Fitzwilliam. Shall we ask him why a man of sense and education, and who has lived in the world, is ill-qualified to recommend himself to strangers? I can answer your question, said Fitzwilliam, without applying to him it is because he will not give himself the trouble. I certainly have not the talent which some people possess, said Darcy, of conversing easily with those I have never seen before. I cannot catch their tone of conversation or appear interested in their concerns as I often see done. My fingers, said Elizabeth, do not move over this instrument in the masterly manner which I see so many women's do. They have not the same force or rapidity, and do not produce the same expression. But then, I have always supposed it to be my own fault, because I will not take the trouble of practicing. It is not that I do not believe my fingers as capable as any other woman's of superior execution." Darcy smiled and said, You are perfectly right. You have employed your time much better. No one admitted to the privilege of hearing you can think anything wanting. We neither of us perform to strangers. Here they were interrupted by Lady Catherine, who called out to know what they were talking of. Elizabeth immediately began playing again. Lady Catherine approached, and after listening for a few minutes, said to Darcy, Miss Bennet would not play at all amiss if she practiced more, and could have the advantage of a London master. She has a very good notion of fingering, though her taste is not equal to Anne's. Anne would have been a delightful performer, had her health allowed her to learn. Elizabeth looked at Darcy to see how cordially he assented to his cousin's praise. But neither, at that moment, nor any other, could she discern any symptom of love. And from the whole of his behavior to Mr. Berg, she derived this comfort for Miss Bingley, that he might have been just as likely to marry her had she been his relation. Lady Catherine continued her remarks on Elizabeth's performance, mixing with them many instructions on execution and taste. Elizabeth received them with all the forbearance of civility and, at the request of the gentleman, remained at the instrument till her ladyship's carriage was ready to take them all home. Chapter 32 Elizabeth was sitting by herself the next morning and writing to Jane while Mrs. Collins and Mariah were gone on business into the village when she was startled by a ring at the door, the certain signal of a visitor. As she had heard no carriage, she thought it not unlikely to be Lady Catherine, and under that apprehension was putting away her half-finished letter that she might escape all impertinent questions when the door opened, and, to her very great surprise, Mr. Darcy and Mr. Darcy only, entered the room. He seemed astonished, too, on finding her alone, and apologized for his intrusion by letting her know that he had understood all the ladies were to be within. They then sat down, and when her inquiries after rosings were made, seemed in danger of sinking into total silence. It was absolutely necessary, therefore, to think of something, and in this emergence, recollecting... When she had seen him last in Hertfordshire, and feeling curious to know what he would say on the subject of their hasty departure, she observed, "'How very suddenly you all quitted Netherfield last November, Mr. Darcy!' It must have been a most agreeable surprise to Mr. Bingley to see you all after him so soon. For, if I recollect right, he went but the day before. He and his sisters were well, I hope, when you left London— Perfectly so. I thank you. She found that she was to receive no other answer, and, after a short pause, added, I think I have understood that Mr. Bingley has not much idea of ever returning to Netherfield again. have never heard him say so, but it is probable that he may spend very little of his time there in the future. He has many friends, and is at a time of life when friends and engagements are continually increasing. If he means to be but little at Netherfield, it would be better for the neighborhood that he should give up the place entirely, for then we might possibly get a settled family there. But perhaps Mr. Bingley did not take the house so much for the convenience of the neighborhood as for his own, and we must expect him to keep it or quit it on the same principle. I should not be surprised, said Darcy, if he were to give it up as soon as any eligible purchase offers. Elizabeth made no answer. She was afraid of talking longer of his friend and, having nothing else to say, was now determined to leave the trouble of finding a subject to him. He took the hint, and soon began with, This seems a very comfortable house. Lady Catherine, I believe, did a great deal to it when Mr. Collins first came to Huntsford. I believe she did, and I am sure she could not have bestowed her kindness on a more grateful object. Mr. Collins appears to be very fortunate in his choice of a wife. Yes, indeed, his friends may well rejoice in his having met with one of the very few sensible women who would have accepted him or have made him happy if they had. My friend has an excellent understanding, though I am not certain that I consider her marrying Mr. Collins as the wisest thing she ever did. She seems perfectly happy, however, and in a prudential light. It is certainly a very good match for her. It must be very agreeable for her to be settled within so easy a distance of her own family and friends. An easy distance, do you call it? It is nearly 50 miles. And what is 50 miles of good road? Little more than half a day's journey. Yes, I call it a very easy distance. I should never have considered the distance as one of the advantages of the match, cried Elizabeth. I should never have said Mrs. Collins was settled near her family. It is a proof of your own attachment to Hertfordshire. Anything beyond the very neighborhood of Longbourn, I suppose, would appear far. As he spoke, there was a sort of smile which Elizabeth fancied she understood. He must be supposing her to be thinking of Jane and Netherfield. And she blushed as she answered. I do not mean to say that a woman may not be settled too near her family. The far and the near must be relative, and depend on many varying circumstances. Where there is fortune to make the expenses of traveling unimportant, distance becomes no evil. But that is not the case here. Mr. and Mrs. Collins have a comfortable income but not such a one as will allow of frequent journeys, and I am persuaded my friend would not call herself near her family under less than half the present distance." Mr. Darcy drew his chair a little towards her, and said, "'You cannot have a right such very strong local attachment. You cannot have always been at Longbourn. Elizabeth looked surprised. The gentleman experienced some change of feeling. He drew back his chair, took a newspaper from the table, and glancing over it, said, in a colder voice, Are you pleased with Kent? A short dialogue on the subject of the country ensued, on either side calm and concise, and soon put to an end by the entrance of Charlotte and her sister just returned from her walk. The tete-a-tete surprised them. Mr. Darcy related the mistake which had occasioned his intruding on Miss Bennet, and after sitting a few minutes longer without saying much to anybody, went away. What can be the meaning of this?" said Charlotte, as soon as he was gone. My dear Eliza, he must be in love with you, or he would never have called on us in this familiar way. But when Elizabeth told of his silence, it did not seem very likely, even to Charlotte's wishes, to be the case. And after various conjectures, they could at last only suppose his visit to proceed from the difficulty of finding anything to do, which was the more probable from the time of year. All field sports were over, Within doors, there was Lady Catherine, books, and a billiard-table. But gentlemen cannot always be within doors. And in the nearness of the parsonage, or the pleasantness of the walk to it, or of the people who lived in it, the two cousins found a temptation from this period of walking thither, almost every day. They called at various times of the morning, sometimes separately, sometimes together, and now and then accompanied by their aunt. It was plain to them all that Colonel Fitzwilliam came because he had pleasure in their society a persuasion which, of course, recommended him more. And Elizabeth was reminded by her own satisfaction in being with him, as well as by his evident admiration of her, of her former favorite, George Wickham. And though, in comparing them, She saw there was less captivating softness in Colonel Fitzwilliam's manners. She believed he might have the best-informed mind. But why Mr. Darcy came so often to the parsonage, it was more difficult to understand. It could not be for society, as he frequently sat there ten minutes together without opening his lips. And when he did speak, it seemed the effect of necessity rather than of choice, a sacrifice to propriety, not a pleasure to himself. He seldom appeared really animated. Mrs. Collins knew not what to make of him. Colonel Fitzwilliams, occasionally laughing at his stupidity, proved that he was generally different, which her own knowledge of him could not have told her, and as she would like to have believed this changed the effect of love, and the object of that love her friend Eliza she set herself seriously to work to find it out. She watched him whenever they were at Rosings, and whenever he came to Huntsford, but without much success. He certainly looked at her friend a great deal, but the expression of that look was disputable. It was an earnest, steadfast gaze, but she often doubted whether there were much admiration in it, and sometimes it seemed nothing but absence of mind. She had once or twice suggested to Elizabeth the possibility of his being partial to her, But Elizabeth always laughed at the idea, and Mrs. Collins did not think it right to press the subject, from the danger of raising expectations which might only end in disappointment. For in her opinion, it admitted, not of a doubt, that all her friends' dislike would vanish, if she could suppose him to be in her power. Her kind schemes for Elizabeth, she sometimes planned her marrying Colonel Fitzwilliam. He was beyond comparison the most pleasant man. He certainly admired her, and his situation in life was most eligible. But To counterbalance these advantages, Mr. Darcy had considerable patronage in the church, and his cousin could have none at all.